I'm Jacob. And I'm Jaden. And this is The, the State, State of, of Things. Things. And with me, as always, is the greatest vice president that this campus has ever had, Jaden Ulrich. And with me, as always, here in the Student Innovation Center is your 69th president of the student body, Jacob C. Ludwig. Jacob, how's it going today? It's going well. It's still cold on campus, um, which I object to fervently. Um, but, you know, I'm making it through. I'm adjusting. This is the first day where we're going to get into single digits with the wind chill. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, I'm still acclimating to the cold weather. And so, not going great for me. Yeah. I, you, uh, I, I've noticed that you've really started to cling to your hot coffee in the morning as a, as a, as, as a source of warmth. It would seem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my coffee, I always make sure to put in the paper cup because, you know, the heat goes through it better. But I know you carry around that big old metal Yeti, and that's not working for you anymore, is no, it now? No, it's very cold to the touch, uh, so it hurts my hands while I walk around campus. But uh, moving away from our uh, ch choice of cups, <laughs> uh, what's student government been up to this week? You know, I think one of the big things actually that just came through was our past Senate meeting. We saw big bills introduced to revamp our priorities and criteria, which is kind of our big funding, how we do that, as mm -hmm. well as our election code. It gets revamped every year, and so those bills are starting to come through, seeing how elections are going to be run in the spring. And so you want to talk about what those documents are? Yeah, uh, you know, uh Election code and PNC are some of the two biggest documents that we approve every year. Um, election code obviously covers how our elections are governed here in student government, um, so that you know what, you know how you can campaign for Senate or executive branch, or uh, you know uh, how much money you can spend, stuff like that, where you can do all those things. Um, so there's a lot of rules in there that are really important, and so every year we review them, uh, and the election commission brings us you know proposed changes to the code, uh, so that uh, you know. Hopefully every year we do it a little bit better. It's a little bit more accessible, and uh, you know we run into fewer problems of uh, you know maybe people bending the rules or or doing something that they probably shouldn't be doing. Uh, and then with PNC, I mean that's that's the document that really guides our annual funding process. Uh, it's how uh, you know we fund a, over 100 clubs each year. Those are the rules that we follow, uh, and so. Every year we kind of review the, the rules that we have in PNC and set them before we go into annual so that we kind of have them, go, have them going in and everyone knows what the standards are. And so, uh, you know, we'll have the bill come through. I think there's just a handful of changes coming on. Uh, and so uh, refine that a little bit, get it ready. And then this spring, uh, any, you know, student organizations that qualify for student government funding, which you can find those kind of uh, those qualifications on the student government website, uh, those organizations can come in and request funding from student government in our annual allocations process. Uh, and yeah, I mean, last year was, I think, over 100 clubs. And uh, this year, I mean, we're always aiming to get as many clubs as possible through, uh, the, uh, through our doors, because the more clubs we fund, the, the better. I think that's something that I've seen improve tremendously over the past couple of years, especially mm -hmm. with PNC and our election code, is we're always trying to work on getting more students from more backgrounds involved in student government. And mm -hmm. when those documents were originally drafted, 
Lord knows how many years ago. I think they were drafted very logistically on how things should mm. run and um, all of this. But sometimes that prevented barriers for students from accessing the resources or running for a Senate seat um, in our elections. And so I think that's something we're going to see again this year is just improvements mm -hmm. um, with easier access for students to get involved and to the resources that student government has. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of engaging with, you know, new groups of students, you know, just this week, uh, we had our DEI town hall, uh, which went over really well. You know, we had a lot of students there from, you know, all different backgrounds, uh, you know, different majors, different colleges, uh, you know, obviously representing a lot of different multicultural groups on campus. And so that was a really great opportunity to, uh, you know, learn about how Iowa State does a good job of supporting multicultural students, but also, and much more importantly, how we don't. You know, what, what are steps the university needs to take um, to improve the way that we support those students. And so, uh, you know, I know there were a lot of really valuable conversations in that room. Our team collected a lot of feedback um, that, you know, we're going to take, turn around, and go to the university with and say, these are some changes that we think need to be made. You know, these are areas where students say they're struggling or not getting enough support. Uh, so really excited about how the town hall went over. Um, you know, Mary, our Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, did a really good job, her and the entire uh, DEI committee, um, you know, they did a great job of bringing that event together and collecting that feedback. And I know we're trying to do these events more regularly because obviously you get kind of a different sampling of students every time you run one of these because you don't know who's going to see the ads or who's going to get invited by their friends. And so uh, we're trying to do these pretty regularly so that we can kind of have that constant touch point uh, with the campus, but really excited about how that turned out. Um, yeah, I mean, a great event. I think that's how student government is so successful is when we actually have those conversations with students. I mean, everyone in student government is a student as well, mm -hmm. but sometimes we can seclude ourselves in our roles and right. stuff. And so I had a student reach out to me and we had a 45 minute conversation. She came in and we she just listed off all the problems and different things on Iowa State's campus that could be improved. And I mean, obviously student government can tackle some of those issues. Some of them we can't, but I couldn't tell her thank you enough because we lack sometimes so many of these conversations hearing mm -hmm. what you know real students are doing on campus and what problems and improvements they see and so I think that's something we always cherish is when students reach out to us because then we know the concerns they're having mm -hmm. and then we can work on those problems yeah and, th and that's a big reason why you know we try and be so proactive with uh, you know outreach and whatnot because it's really critical to our success because obviously you know especially for senators and, and us, you know, when we run, we obviously try to do a lot of outreach and talk to students, but needs evolve and change. And there's different areas that, you know, you're focusing on when you're campaigning that you might not necessarily, uh, might not be the issue that you have to deal with when you're actually here. Um, and there are things that you just don't always hear about. Uh, and so kind of having that continuous line of conversation and saying, okay, well, you know, I wanted to do this and we'll still get this done, but there's also this other problem that needs to be handled. Uh, you know, we can as they say, walk and chew gum at the same time, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, do what we came here to do and then also tend to the things that are going on while we're here. And so, so yeah, it's uh, it's been a great week. For sure. And I think on the topic of really listening to what students want in what they are seeing on campus is our special guest for the day. We have Associate Vice President Dr. Pete England here with us. I know he does a great job at listening to students, but after this commercial break, catch his interview. Okay, with us here today is Dr. Pete Englund, the Associate Vice President for Campus Life. 
uh, thank you for coming on the pod. Yeah, and thank you for the invitation. I was excited when you reached out and uh, happy to talk about what we do. Yeah. yeah, so I've known Pete for quite a while now. My first involvement here at I or at Iowa State was with the IRHA, the Inner Residence Hall Association, and I know you're a, one of the three advisors for that. So I've known Pete for quite a while. He's a great guy. Very happy to have him on the podcast. But I know you're you're kind of everywhere. You know, you kind of do a lot of different things in the student mm-hmm. life, and sure. with the um, the title of Associate Vice President for Campus Life, like. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. So uh, my title is Associate Vice President for Campus Life and Slash Director of Residence. So Dr. Martino Harmon, who's the previous uh, Senior Vice President for Student Affairs, when he became the Senior Vice President, looked at creating some clusters mm-hmm. and reduced the number of direct reports. And so he decided to put housing and dining and the Memorial Union together, kind of the, the living room, dining room, bedroom of the student experience together and uh, and then created these roles. And so there's the student health and well-being and there's the dean of students role and then my role. And uh, so I work with all three programs with a primary focus on, on the housing program, mm-hmm. both, both the residence halls and the apartments. So then I suppose, what does that day-to-day look like? I know you said you've been involved more on the residence side of things, but yep. I mean, what's a day look like for you? Yeah, so the days really vary tremendously. Um, I have uh, myself around nine direct reports. Most of those are in the department of residence that work with our facilities area, res life program, Simon's contracting, communications and marketing, uh, our, our chief financial officer, along with Steve Winfrey, who's the director of our Memorial Union, um, and our, you know, Muhammad Ali, who we may speak about later, our, our, our former director of ISU Dining, and now currently mm-hmm. uh, Stuart Essex and Karen Rodekamp are interim co-directors. So uh, the things that affect students' experiences in any of those realms, and that's, you know, 900 student organizations, leadership development, facilities projects across all three areas, um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, I co-advise IRHA, and usually in those exchanges, there's a lot that comes out of those meetings that we have every Thursday evening, and and so there's some follow-up with some of that, making sure that that uh, what we're promising, we're delivering on across all three areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I mean, you kind of oversee, you know, I think this really integral part of campus. A lot of students interact with, especially in the first couple of years. Um, and I think you've shared this story before in other places, so I was just going to ask you to share because it's really interesting to me. This wasn't, I, uh, your path wasn't originally higher education, was it? Yeah, well, I, I somewhat tongue-in-cheek share my undergraduate degree, zoology emphasis in wildlife management. I'm still working in wildlife management <laughs> um, and have been for a lot of years. But I, uh, I really thought that I would be doing something outdoors and needed to work to pay for school and uh, uh, was able to get an RA job and have a great mentor in Prakash Matthew who was uh, and eventually the Vice President for Student Affairs at North Dakota State and they kind of talked me into, you know, you can do this as a career. But really, I, I finished my RA role, I started an MBA program and was in that year going, wow, this isn't me. And they mm-hmm. said, I know you should be in student affairs. So counseled into this role, you know, you don't think you go to a university to forever. You know, I say I, I never graduated. I've stayed at a university my entire life. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's just been a fantastic experience because there was people in my undergraduate experience that made the degree more possible, made sense of that um, 
time there, the friendships, the sense of belonging, um, how to learn. Right. It was a big jump, so it's great to be part of that. So what it sounds like to me is you've been in academics your whole life, but you've been on the social side of it, yeah, so yeah, <laughs> the yeah, better yeah, half yeah, of the yeah, academics yeah. for that <laughs> well, sake. Yeah, I, I, you know, when you talk with students, and, and when I came in 1989, I looked around as a 29-year-old, and I go, oh my gosh, this would have been a great place to go to school. What, you know, the, the student organizations and the club programs and the collegiate experience was just, it's, mm -hmm. it's amazing, it's, and, it, and it is today. So one thing I know is you have been director for a little while now, like you've put some good time into the residence halls um, and the other aspects. And so I guess what are like the big things that you've seen change during your tenure? Yeah, so I, uh, one thing I would say is I've been to 350 IRHA meetings over the last 17 years when I kind of did the math. <laughs> and so those are 350 Thursday nights that we get to hang out. And, and in that, um, I, I really don't think Iowa State students have fundamentally changed. They're very authentic, down-to-earth, practical, great to work with. We can you know, collaboratively problem-solve. And so when we're kind of faced with some of the challenges about well, what needs to come next, um, it, that's been a great exchange. That hasn't really changed much. I, I do think, you know, and part of our, our knowledge of coming out of COVID, you know, the students that are showing up now didn't have the same kind of high school experiences a lot of other students had. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's really caused us to be thinking about, well, what is, where are those gaps as they, as they show up on campus? Under the best of circumstances, earning a college degree is hard. And uh, so it's understanding what are those difficulties and challenges that students experience. And the, you know, the concept of, of belonging, um, you know, uh, getting connected to all the different experiences that Iowa State offers. We've not seen that level of engagement until this fall. I mean, for the last couple of years, this fall, mm -hmm. it's jumped. I mean, our director of leadership position on IRHA had 83 applicants. Wow. wow. So, you know, it, to me, it's like, wow, that's powerful. Um, and, and it's, We've, we have seen uh, with the growth in the size of the freshman classes, you know, folks always wonder, why do you have all those signs on the side of your building? What's that all about? Because that, you know, from an architect's perspective, they're going, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. But that's how we break this large place down. And then the 1,100 students who take on leadership positions on those houses right. with those names, and then the identity that comes with this. It's a springboard to say, stay engaged, not only at Iowa State, whether it's in student government, RA job, or student organization, but when you leave Iowa State in your communities and local government, it's, you know, that's the neat part about Iowa State is that we've got this foundation that we build, and then the students take off. That was something I was just going to touch on, was the, the house and the hall governments. I know that's mm -hmm. where Jacob and I both kind of got our stall, start with leadership on campus, and yeah. so they yeah. are just incubator programs for yeah. everything else yeah. on and, campus. And, and we're proud of you. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, this is, it's part of today's students' expectation. They want to be difference makers. They want to create legacy. Mm -hmm. And and so when you you know read up on the Gen Z Gen Z students and what's important to them, we we're we're centered up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I still I still remember my uh, workman house uh, cabinet meetings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, it was I think second day on campus we did did elections and I was like yeah well, you know we'll try something out and then uh, that got pulled pulled me into that and then that led to student government and. Yeah, I think the just the sense of community um, 
in the residence halls was always fantastic when I was there. Yeah, and, and that's, you want to build connections because I don't care if you're from Ames or, you know, halfway around the world, coming to Iowa State, coming to Ames, it's a, it's a, it's a major shift and you're often making major decisions independently for the first time, mm -hmm. being surrounded with people who, you know, other students peer to peer is far superior than having this old head, you know, <laughs> give advice. But that's partly what we try to do is collectively, you know, with the, as a, in a partnership, all the student leadership pieces that, that, uh, that take place at Iowa State, which is tremendous, the level of involvement and inv invitation we give students to be part of our processes and decision making, I think we, for the most part, really make much, much, much better decisions for students um, than a lot of places do just because of the, what we have in place. For sure, I know. Um, so, I mean, I lived in the residence halls for the first three years of my college experience. The first was as a resident, and then the last two was as a resident assistant. And I yep. think that's a big part of, you know, especially we transitioned from being a community advisor where we did a lot of advanced planning, we did a lot more of that side of things, but then COVID, we had that transition to now we're resident assistants and we're providing a lot more assistance, we're being present for students, we're providing those resources, we're still doing events, but they're a lot more on the educational side of things and learning about how to do college because for students it's, you know, the first time of having to deal with everything themselves. Yeah, a great, great point. Um, when you think about living on campus, some of the outcomes we hope happen is it, they're, they're about uh, higher levels of persistence, better grades, more likely to graduate, um, uh, a greater affinity sense of belonging. All those things happen. We measure them. The, the latest challenge would be around that whole sense of belonging, which we don't want to be the only place that creates that. For students who live off campus, we want that also to be created. And I think across the institution you're seeing uh, uh, ramped up efforts, um, but in our spaces in particular, RAs and I'll add our custodial staff and hall directors and apartment directors are key. I mm -hmm. mean, that's, that's where all of this starts to make sense. That's where all the, the they're the catalysts for uh, the connections to uh, the lived experience, how to learn, you know, learning about themselves uh, and learning about others, because I think that's also part of what our residence halls and our apartments provide, but particularly our residence halls, 6,000 new ISU folks looking around going, dang, I'm with a community of 50 to 70 folks and you know, how do I fit in and what do I do with all this? And then RAs make the magic happen. For sure. I know speaking as an RA, I still see some, some of my boys out there, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, that have left the residence hall. And it's just that connection that bond, you know, that you create with the residents as well. Speaking from an RA position, yeah. that's, uh, you know, sometimes it's the first friend because as an RA, I would go door knocking that first few days and meet people and so always encourage them to leave your door open that's the best way you can start your college career on the right foot yep and and know that you're not alone if it kind of feels daunting you know and i think that's where sometimes there's this misunderstanding i don't care where you come from you walk it's there's a learning curve and everyone's interested in trying to get connected together and and it's it when you talk about the relationships the person who we were best men at each other's weddings, I was his RA. And we just got <laughs> together a week and a half ago. He's had some significant health issues, but we've been friends and buddies and 
raising each other's kids and all the whole thing for all these years. And it's uh, it started as he goes, I remember seeing you at the end of the hall going, who's that guy, you know? And you were talking to some uh, woman and then I learned out that's Becky, who I'm married to, who I just started dating. And he met his wife during orientation and they had started dating and, you know, we started that friendship. And so there's a lot of connection, particularly with social media and Facebook or other places, it's easy to stay connected once you build these connections now. They're going to be much easier than than writing letters and, mm-hmm. and landlines, right. you know, back when I graduated. Yeah, I, you know, I think the, the communities that, you know, we've been talking about that are built and the relationships are so valuable, not just, not just because it gives, uh, you know, students those connections on campus that will honestly last probably well beyond their time here at Iowa State, but also in terms of like, you know, I feel like the residence halls are one of the key ways that we can kind of, or key places where we communicate like valuable information to students. You know, RAs do a lot with their bulletin boards. I know that the department uh, communicates with residents about, you know, different resources that are available to them, Um, which is just, I mean, it's harder to do for off-campus students. And so when we have those students in that kind of centralized location, it's really, really valuable for us. Yeah. And and the fact that about at least 90%, 90 to 93% of first-time, full-time students choose to live on campus their first year. And, and we'll typically some, see somewhere around half of those folks will come back for a second year, and then you start to see some attrition. But that's a, that's a, a responsibility, and it's an opportunity at the same time. And that's where, uh, you know, when you're, when you're talking to prospective students or parents, if you come live here, We'll help this place make sense. So, you know, we know we feel really good when students, you can hear it, it changes. It's not if they're gonna graduate, it's when. Mm-hmm. So their language kind of changes and the RAs will hear it and the hall directors will hear it all the time. It's, okay, I'm a little uncertain. I'm not sure I'm gonna pay for this. You blew by everything I knew in high school in the first three weeks in class. And so <laughs> now I'm terrified that, you know, am I cut out to do this kind of work? And it's like, you get admitted here, you are. And, and then, the resources across campus, in in the you know in the colleges and in our partners in the dean of students office, the the whole student health and well-being uh, counseling, all those things like how do we learn where you're at, and what you need at that moment because it's really the one-on-one connections that make it work. I mean, you can do the the communications broadly about some of this, and for some it works, but some of it is when you get shoulder tap and said, hey, you should think about being on cabinet. You should think about being an RA. Mm-hmm. You should think about, you know, maybe doing SI, supplemental instruction, or you should, you know, the tutoring programs are outstanding here. And given you're not alone, a lot of folks struggle with these courses, and so that that's when this keeps building on each other. And uh, you know, our partners in in sorority and fraternity engagement strive to do the same kinds of things. So you you put the package together. I would say it's pretty special. I do think that's something a lot of people don't think about with residence halls. It's as a freshman, you get randomly assigned with some other person in a room, and that's the year. But there's so much behind the residence halls that make students successful that people don't think about right away that really makes the whole experience worth it. Yeah, and the... The, even the random assignment, because we go back and forth, and, and there's a, uh, a student work group actually that proposed, should we look at like roommate matching? And you know, one of the life skills that we hope to teach is you don't always get to pick your neighbors, your work partners, a lot of other things. So how can you thrive and how can you help others thrive that may mm-hmm. not be like you? So if you look at uh, Gen Z, 
uh, almost half, 48% identify a law as a, a racial or ethnic minority. Now at Iowa, Iowa State, it's about less than 22% of our students you know, identify. And then around the, the LGBTQIA plus continuum, we are look like the national, about 21% identify along the continuum and, and that's what you'll see nationally. So it's like, as part of this mad science that goes mm -hmm. on with all that, there's a method behind what we're thinking and happening. But if we, if we need to do it differently, we're open to doing it differently. If, if the idea resonates with students and the momentum is we would really like to see more matching taking place, it would probably help in some ways, but we already have some great metrics about how this works as it, as it does. So, you know, maybe we're piloting some things somewhere and, and see how well it works. But the students are, are critical to telling us what should we be doing? How do we do it? When should we be doing it? And then, uh, you know, also paying attention to those fifth graders who are gonna be here in eight years. What's mm -hmm. going on in their world? Because some of the things that we need to do have to start now for it to be ready when they get here. Yeah, and I think that kind of, you know, the learning experience, you know, just to interact with different people who have different experiences than you is really valuable. I think actually one of the things that uh, I really missed in my experience uh, in the residence halls was that uh, my first year I was in a double room and my roommate never showed up. Uh, so I was, okay. I was supposed to have a room with someone else and so I ended up having the room to myself, which was nice, but I kind of missed out on that uh, opportunity to kind of have that other person have that experience and uh, like I know a lot of my friends are like still very close with the people they were randomly assigned with their their freshman year yeah well Jacob you turned out okay yeah. so I, I, mean, mean, I made it through <laughs> but, you know, the, 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 and I think that's key to understand there's lots of paths and and what you might want to have happen or think should happen uh, I roomed with my best friend from third grade and after uh, half a year we hated each other I mean it's like this this we thought that this would be so simple, and and other folks randomly assigned. It's like you know they're friends for life, as you you know as you pointed out. So th that's that's the art around some of this. There, we mm -hmm. think there's science, but the reality is there's a lot of art to this whole thing. But if you put students together in a in a context where they're having exchanges, they're talking, they're you know hopefully being their full selves, they figure this out. Mm -hmm. So I do have to ask, while all the residence halls here at Iowa State are wonderful, all these opportunities and the magic is happening in all of them, uh -huh. do you have a personal favorite? Uh, I don't know that I have a personal favorite. They all have their own personality, but my office has always been in Friley Hall, except for the time I served as dean of students. So I like Friley. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I spent a lot of time probably my th first three or four years walking and if I'm walking in the building I'd kind of look for a window to figure out where I was oh there's Lincoln Way I could you know okay I got out oh, there there's Helzer all right I think now I know which way I need to go to get back to my office or to get to the dining center so it, it's it's fun to listen to students and parents because that happens during every move-in in the first few weeks and and uh, other students who come to visit Friday on occasion because it is it's a uh, a world unto itself with this given the size and that it was built in five different phases so you get some weirdness with all of that so it's got a little unique pieces to it um, in its own way but they're all really great you know if if you go on cyclone fanatic don't want to get pitched but if you go there's best dorm you know and you go look at people from 40 years ago 20 years ago you know mm -hmm. i can't believe they you know blew up nap storms which they did 
17 days after I started as director. Um, <laughs> what a welcome. <laughs> yeah, well, I've only done two cool things as far as my kids are concerned. One, I got to be a dignitary in the Bisha Parade, and that they got to be in the closest tent to when they hit the enter button and blew up nap storms because of my role. <laughs> Other than that, it's like, eh, you're gone a lot. And, you know, so th those cool, th you know, those two things, um, you know, were pretty m memorable. F but honestly, it's all the relationships over the course of time and the, the students' lives that you touched. And, uh, you know, that's, that's it's, it's been amazing. Talking about Friley, I always thought it'd be a fun challenge to take a resident of Friley, blindfold them, put them in another part of Friley, yeah. and then uh, see how long it takes them to get back to their room. <laughs> well, when I first started in back in Res Life, um, I, I supervised the student security staff, and there was a, a group of students that would just walk the buildings at night, and uh, they invited me along of a two, three, four o'clock in the morning rounds. Okay. Well, then a, a, an alarm went off, and they took up running. And so I took up running after them, and they're faster than me. <laughs> and pretty soon it's like I'm trying to follow the footsteps because I was getting lost. And this was down actually around the, the dining freezer area in the basement location. And so mm -hmm. they knew how to get there like that, and uh, eventually we, we, we rejoined each other. But they wanted to get down there and make sure they were responding to the... It, so it, the, it's, a, it's a little maze in its own way. Very yeah. fun. I know one more thing I wanted to touch on with Friley. Friley's so big, there's so much going on. Sure. But there's Friley Dungeons, and there is plans to currently re-make uh, that space into the new um, uh, the new desk, the hall, new hall desk, right? Well, it's actually going to be the terrace room is okay. where we're going to relocate it. And the dungeons, there's some plans because of the, the, uh, the volume of business at Windows. They would like to do some seating in that space, but we want to work with the Friley Hall Senate mm -hmm. and talk about how can this space be best used by you. The, the column structure that supports that makes it a little difficult because there isn't this large open expanse and that you can't create the, the, the like a uh, projection room where you could have 150 people watching a movie together. Somebody's having mm -hmm. blocked by the columns. Uh, but we're looking at doing some changes there. The, the hall desk will go into the terrace area, and the, the other neat aspect of this is currently like the hall director offices and the grad offices are behind the hall desk. They'll be out in front and accessible. If you've ever been over to Maple Little Arch, when we did that renovation, we got those things out from behind the desk and made it. A, so if you're getting your mail and you look over and you can see the door open and say, I want to go check in on Brady or Hortensia, you know, you can go mm -hmm. ahead and do this. So part of it is to create not only the, the formal interactions, but a lot of informal interactions. And as part of the dungeon renovation, we're actually elevators create in, in the current location of the Friley Hall desk, a whole welcome center for housing and dining. Oh, wow. Touch screens and a lot of other things because we get about 25,000 guests. What does it mean to live and eat on campus? We want them to be able to learn that quickly with all the tours. The same time, if you've got questions for Pete or our new director of ISU Dining or something, mm -hmm. um, we're looking at putting elevators in there too so that it, the spaces are fully accessible. I mean, that's one of our other challenges with these buildings, most of them being built 60 to 100 years ago, is, is to make them work for today's and the future students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, moving moving a little way 
a little bit away from the residence halls, but not too far away, sure. uh, yeah. with the dining side you of bet. things. Um, you know, I know that there's kind of a lot of stuff going on in dining. Um, you know, search for a new director. I know yep. that there's been some, like, renovations over the past uh, year or so. Yep. Uh, what's, what's happening with dining? So, you know, coming out of the COVID um, and, and the staffing, I will just tell you the team has done an amazing job of constantly pivoting. I mean, if, if you had breadsticks yesterday, I think um, one of the interim directors, Karen Rodekamp, baked them. Uh, she also makes a mean sub at Lance and Ellie's. So <laughs> these are the ways in which that staff has constantly kind of pitches in and um, at the same time trying to think about and learn from our students, well, what is it that you want to see moving forward? And so the, the renovation of the Union Drive Community Center uh, is, is substantially done. Um, you know, the, the response in terms of how it was set up was was dictated and driven by what students were asking for and what they would like to see. The, the same thing around some of the menu items, it's, you know, I think we've used a little, some terminology with the staffing thing about getting back to the basics to a certain extent, but um, the, the, the facilities piece will pivot, even though some folks would call seasons relatively new, is their next on is to get to seasons and do a similar kind of rental Mm -hmm. And what do you want for a layout? What kind of um, uh, you know food items do you want at these at the at the different stations? And do you want it stations and scatter because that's kind of the food court concept? But is that is that what's helpful to you? So uh, we're excited about where that's headed too. Um, and the you know the future dining director really has to be one that's very student centered and great stewards. So. Regardless of whether it's room or board, the constant dialogue is about value mm -hmm. with students and how are we providing value that makes sense um, to our students. And uh, uh, it, I would say, you know, when you asked an earlier question about what's changed, there's a lot of very individualized expectations. So we were joking before we came on air about, you know, cranberry orange muffins or lemon poppy seed. I mean, if folks have a favorite, they're, they're willing to be strong, passionate advocates to get that in the rotation. And, and so trying to be all things to all people, which is really kind of the Iowa State way, is where we have to constantly manage uh, what we do and the expectations people have and, uh, you know, and provide that great value because our students are very co cost conscious too. Yeah, definitely. I think. Uh I think one of the things that I've always loved about uh, President's Halls, and you were just talking about there, you know, you want to consult with students, is that I feel like the students are constantly being engaged in all of these issues. I know that uh, uh, IRA Chase consult a lot, the, the different, you know, hall councils, um, and that uh, student-centered focus is what I think makes dining and res hall life so uh, impactful and strong. Yeah, and I will tell you, my time in the Dean of Students office um, the ben, ben Golding and Lisa Deloy were president, vice president when I was serving as dean of students and they came to me and said, would you be willing to advise exec? And I was like, no, uh, you know, I, you know <laughs> that was my inner voice um, because it's a tremendous time commitment. But at the same time, I was like, I was flattered and honored because if, if, we're, if we're in proximity constantly, both formally and informally, we're gonna continue to partner 
And so when it, it, the opportunity to come back as a director of residence and work in auxiliary, at that time our occupancy was the lowest since 1981. Mm -hmm. Friley, uh, Helzer had 125 students living in it. There was 40% vacancy rate in our apartments. And a lot of it had to do, we had focused on facilities work, but we hadn't focused on the relationship and the experience. And I'm like, I think I can help. And, and then the neat part of that is if you serve students well, more students choose to either live or dine with you, and it gives you the resources then to keep reinvesting. Mm -hmm. So we went from having $300,000 a year to do projects in all the residence halls and apartments to you know now we're running around anywhere from seven and to 10 or $11 million a year to be able to do this. And again, the high point was when we were at 36,000 students and 12,331 were living with us and we were leasing 1,500 beds off campus and you know, uh, for, you know fraternity houses that were vacant. And mm -hmm. we did a lot in t 2015, 16, 17, 18 to deal with the expectation of, you know, that people wanted to live with us and, and the direction from senior leaders would find a way to serve them. So we were staffing and, and furnishing all those spaces and then when things started to get down to what I would call normal uh, mm -hmm. and more likely the future that we're gonna see, we integrated all that back in, didn't have to lay anybody off, RAs come on back on campus. And so it's it's been a great ride, um, but it's really all about what the students are wanting and needing. And then use the leadership positions to bring those voices together because sometimes what I deal with, you asked about, you know, what's my day-to-day -day like, is to take what might sound like a middle school lunchroom. I mean, it's noisy, but <laughs> you really can't figure, focus on any one voice. So where is, where is the themes in this so that we do this right and well? And that's where it's been great working with our student leadership and student government over the years to, to figure out, well, where are those voices? And, and I would throw RAs in there too. It's, it's, you know, they're asked a lot about, well, what are you seeing here? And you get your, you know, fingers on the pulse. What is it that would help you help our students? And, and that's evolved over the years too. So I know with your department being so student-centered and really listening to what they want, you mentioned that there's two interim um, directors of dining, and I know you've been kind of in the process of looking for a replacement ever since oh. uh, Muhammad Ali, our past director. I have raved about him before on this you podcast. Yeah, he yeah. could have been anyone's second father. I loved him, yep, but yep, how's yep. that process going? It's going great. Um, you know, it's an attractive role, one, because we're self-op. So this gives someone the latitude to pay attention to students and make this, you know, it, it's... it's um, you're not, you're not dictated by corporate, you're dictated by what are the students wanting to do. So that's fulfilling. It, it gives a lot more purpose than some of the other ways in which dining is provided at other universities. So uh, had a great pool of folks. At, at, I hear as of yesterday, we're down to two finalists we'll bring on campus, we'll announce that quickly. I, I will share uh, as a thanks to Stu and Karen, you know, Muhammad would show up and so that, you know, when he, when he started as director of ISU Dining, I said, hey, you might want to consider coming to IRHA. <laughs> you know, and he's like, what do you mean? You know, really? <laughs> and and I, every Thursday night they gather, but it's about, um, you want to have the connections before the challenges come because they just keep coming. We're not perfect. 
Um, we make mistakes, we're human beings, um, dynamics change. I mean, even when we got to the place when COVID hit and we were gonna empty our halls, you know, part of that is talking with our students on housing and dining and making the decision. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna issue $17 million worth of credits. A lot of places chose to say, you know, we can't, we can't afford it. But by the stewardship that Muhammad provided and our, and our teams provided, you know, we were able to do that and, and keep our, our teams together. But Stu and Karen started showing up to IRHA too. So Muhammad made that decision back then and he says, you're right. Of, of all the things, when you kind of came in, that, that little nugget of advice was huge because I had never experienced that. And he'd been at five different universities before this. Um, and I said, well, I'm thankful back to Ben Golding and Lisa Deloy, who invited me in as a dean of students, caused me to say mm -hmm. that when I was interviewing as director of residence, keep that connection. And, uh, and, and Stu and or Karen have been showing up every Thursday since uh, during their interim roles. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today uh, and, you know, for all the years of wrangling the Iowa State wildlife. Um, <laughs> I Doing great work over in Campus Life. And, yeah, thanks again for coming on. No, thank you so much for having me. You know, the, hard, the nervous part of me was how do you do justice to the 400 permanent employees and the 1,300 student employees that make all this happen across the union and the dining center mm -hmm. and residents and you know, the dining program. And, uh, you know, I hope I, I did enough to honor what they do every day. Great efforts by those folks. Well, thank yeah. you for your leadership and thank you for making sure that all those people are living up to their full expectations <laughs> um, and what they can do. So right. thank you thank so much, Pete. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. <laughs> Well, that was a wonderful conversation that we just had with Dr. Pete England, our Associate Vice President for Campus Life here at Iowa State. I've personally known Pete since my freshman year, very first few weeks here on campus. I was involved with the IRHA and he is a very dedicated advisor to that organization. Um, and so throughout the years, I've got to know him even more, everything that he does for campus. It was so glad, I was so glad to have Pete um, on the podcast today because he's just a great guy. Yeah, and I think one of the things that really came out in the conversation today was just about how, you know, student-focused the department is. And obviously, like, it has to be, right, because, you know, that's where students are living and where they're eating. But uh, they make such an effort at every turn to engage students on the big decisions being made in the dining halls uh, or dining centers and the residence halls and uh, really making sure the students have a voice in the resources, you know, that they want to see or the, you know, different... Uh, things they want to see in those areas or uh, you know, also making sure the students are connected to the resources they need to succeed, you know, whether it be academically, uh, health-wise, you know, socially, on campus and beyond Iowa State. And I think something that Pete talked about a lot as well was truly the magic that happens in the residence halls. I mean, most people think about it as you get a random assignment and that's where you lay your mm -hmm. head for the first year here at college. But really, all those different connections that you can make with your RA, with the hall director, with all the people that you know you just randomly get thrown into the residence hall with, people are really learning on how to take care of themselves for the first time, you know, especially freshman year. I went through a lot of different uh, learning curves, but that's just something I think a lot of people don't think about with residence halls and how mm -hmm. crucial they really are for success here at Iowa State. Yeah, definitely. So we had a great conversation with Pete. 
the only reason any of this is possible is, of course, our executive team in the back room. We have Maddie, our executive producer, Sundar, our production manager, and Ethan, our technical director. And of course, all of you tuning in every episode, listening to what we can discuss here on The, the State, State of Things. things.